Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me is our freelancer extravaganza... No, that's not right, is it? Freelancer extravaganza? <laughs> so it does have our, a wee our, bit of a good ring to it. Our fantastic freelancer, our freelancer extraordinaire, it is Craig Williams. How you doing? Good afternoon. Not, not bad, not bad. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, where else but Celtic and Rangers' performances last night in the Europa League. We're going to touch on uh, Craig Levine's comments today regarding the upcoming uh, Hibs Hearts uh, salt and sauce derby at the weekend and uh, whatever else has been happening in the crazy world of Scottish football today. There's been lots. So, um, well, Europa League, tremendous for Scottish football. A win for Rangers, a terrific away draw for Celtic against a team who beat PSG on that ground, no less, earlier on in the season. Um, let's start with Celtic because it was the first game. Uh, I thought really composed Craig. Very mature performance, uh, showed a little bit of tactical discipline that they maybe didn't under Brendan Rodgers. Certainly looked a tougher nut to crack. Yeah, you're right. I think Neil Wennon got his tactics spot on on the night. Uh, Celtic were more than capable against a really dangerous uh, Wren team. I think, you know, back to front, they were fantastic. I don't think anyone came out of that match from a Hoops jersey that didn't have a pass mark on it. Uh, yeah, Julian centre half was fantastic. Up front, Edward caused uh, all sorts of problems for their end defence, and I thought midfield Scott Brown was winning those battles, and uh, they were just bothering the their end team, and uh, they were well worth their their one point. Uh, indeed, I think Celtic, if you're really looking at it, they should have came away with all three points. You know, with that uh, penalty decision on Christie, which. How the ref missed that was unbelievable. but it- Absolute stonewaller, wasn't it? But listen, let's drill into the detail of the referee because it's it's one of those games, right? Everyone on social media here in Scotland is going, this referee had a nightmare, Celtic were robbed. But I had a wee look at the French papers this morning for some stories that we put on Football Scotland. And the French have the same perspective. They say that Johnny Hayes' tackle was wild and out of control and therefore a penalty, even though he won the ball. They say that uh, Bayo should have been sent off for uh, his first challenge that he was booked for. And uh, they think the referee was too lenient. And that's what um, the manager of... Uh, the manager of... Um, Ren. Ren. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. It's been a long day. <laughs> the manager of Ren had to say himself. I was kind of worried because I think in the Rangers and the Celtic games, both refs were Spanish. And as a fan of Spanish football, the, the refereeing quality there is not akin to the level of... Uh, you know the football that's on display in Spain, and they they get routinely, you know, they get they get muck thrown at them from all quarters just because of the way they they don't let games flow or they miss big decisions. And there was I was quite concerned when, as I said, that uh, with the Rangers and the Celtic games, it would two Spanish refs on display. Not so much in the Rangers game. I don't think they missed massive decisions, but certainly in the Celtic game, you could see that the ref, you know. He did sending off by disgraceful and missing the Christie penalty. I was kind of thinking, it, oh, there you go. Is that a case that there's different standards though? Because I have long held this theory that Scottish football referees are just too lenient. Mm-hmm. I know why they are. It's in our culture for, for the last 50 years or 100 years that we love the blood and thunder of the game. But I do think it holds us back in European competition. We go and we're held to a different standard. And play, players are looking around going, why, why did I get booked for that? Why, why is that a penalty? But, well, it's because they 
approach the rules mm-hmm. with a more stringent approach to clamping down on physicality. Exactly that. And another thing, especially from a Spanish perspective, is the culture around uh, fouls and players jumping in, you know, or, or diving, as it were. You would see that a hundred times in a Spanish football game that you'd see once in a Scottish game and you'd be like, that guy's dived. But there's just that culture around it. I think that Spanish uh, referees are more willing to give a free kick or more willing to protect players, especially players that are playing, you know, that type of kind of passing forward movement. A wee, a wee nick on them, they'll go down. They know they'll get uh, a, a free kick from the referee. In Europe, as you said, you'll, you'll see teams, Rangers and Celtic, taking a very bold kind of forward-thinking approach or, or, or you know, going snapping players, making, uh, like Brown did last night. Yeah, aggressive. Let, exactly, aggressive, uh, letting them know you're there. But that, that just doesn't fly with particularly Spanish referees, you know. When they're so used to giving the wee, the littlest nick, it's a, it's a free kick. No one in the crowd's complaining about it. Oh, like they're going down. Whereas over here, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah, like uh, the goalkeeper obviously would be the perfect example of that. The rain goalkeeper. I mean, that was an astonishingly disturbing mm-hmm. act of play play acting, wasn't it? I mean, he should be up for an Oscar for that. It was it was one of those ones that just makes you cringe. Really, it's an embarrassment to be a professional footballer to be rolling about on the ground like that when you've had the the, the, the tiniest mm-hmm. of uh, connections. Obviously, keepers are afforded, you know. More protection uh, from referees in general in the game, but you, not not only the keeper. You saw their end back line as well. You know, gest- gesturing towards the the referee and saying, "Oh, like w- what's going on there?" You know, that that was definitely a foul. When clearly from where they were standing, you could see that Bayer was nowhere near him as well. So, I think again, you know, I'm, I'm not as caught up in the French game as the the Spanish game, but I imagine there's a similarity there in that the smallest kind of next smallest kind of movement to suggest a foul will be given anyway so they're looking for every kind of small advantage that they can to get over a especially over a, a British team where they know are going to go in hard into the tackle yeah obviously two penalties decided the game uh, well not decided the game because it was a draw but um, were, were crucial in the game uh, Ren got the first one a clear penalty wasn't it Christopher Ayer he's had a nightmare there what he's thinking I don't know I mean he's a player I admire I've talked about on this podcast in great detail that I think he's the best centre half in Scotland and he'll be the next player that leaves here for for big money but at the same time he's still a rough diamond and that kind of proved it because he had no need to be holding on to him in that manner it was a clear penalty yeah 100% not only did he he go down when he shouldn't have he held on to the the jersey of Niang I think it was the end forward so it's kind of two reasons where Niang's you know he's going down he's going to win the penalty not for one uh, thing if not for the other you know so yeah it's, as you say rough diamond he's got to iron that out of his game fantastic player didn't really put a foot wrong apart from that last night yeah. but obviously uh, paid the price for it and uh, Celtic went behind when in all respects in, in the first half they should have Celtic could have been you know one or two up themselves so the big difference for me Celtic last night and I think this should be the case going forward and I think this is quite exciting for Celtic fans is that they've now got two central defenders who handle the ball well. So Ayer and Julian are comfortable, they can bring it out, they don't look harassed. The complete contrast to, to Boyata, who I think was actually a pretty decent player, but a bit of a bomb scare when he had the ball at his feet, wasn't that comfortable. You know, that is a big upgrade, uh, Ayer and um, Julian, as opposed to Simunovic and, and Boyata in terms of bringing that ball out. And I think that gives Celtic a real good basis in Europe. 
a real good foundation to build from because they're not panicking and throwing the ball away like they have been in previous years. 100%. I think, you know, especially with Julian last night, this this is a guy going forward to just command his defence and, you know, gives a lot of confidence for the midfield going forward. It's not someone that's going to, as you said uh, before, uh, you know, it's, he's not a bomb scare defender. He's willing to keep the ball in possession when he's got pressure around him and not just look for that long ball pass, which kind of ends up giving possession back to the opposite team, as like Boyata would, you know, otherwise do. He just play play cutely, look for a midfield player, and uh, not not only the centre defence. I think having Foster in goal as well, although he didn't have much to do, he he, he did have he did do pull off two good saves, one in yeah. the first half, and one in the second half. Having him in goal, I think, such a a big force that provides uh, not only confidence in the defence, but to the rest of the team going forward, knowing that they've got that back line, that they can just shut up shot when need be. Right, we're going to move on to Rangers now, Craig. And I think I, amongst many other people, have a bone with, to pick with you because last night you were on the man-by-man ratings and you gave Connor Goldson a four. Now, I suppose the question is, have you been taken over by the ghost of Gaby Mackay who loves to give out a four to Conor Goldson mm-hmm. based on previous European performances what, what was that all about a four a four I know yeah Do you, are you taking it back do you regret it no I think no I'm going to stick by it I think that of course Rangers were fantastic last night they should have put the game to bed way before uh, the 90th minute to make it uh, nervous for everyone at Ibrooks. but Given out, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of eights in there, a lot of good yeah, you, you, performances you were, yeah, in there. You, it was stark because mm-hmm. you, there was only a couple of sixes, one mm. four, and the rest were sort of sevens I and think, eights. I think it's a case of trying to strike some sort of balance and rein it in a little bit. You know, Goldson, he 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 just didn't look like he was he was supremely confident in the middle of the park, and I think that him operating there with Hellander isn't going to work long term I think Kartik should come in and get a chance uh, Goldson for maybe I should have gave him a 5 or a 6 because he wasn't as terrible as the 4 or a 7 or an 8 which is what he actually mm. deserved Craig ok uh, <laughs> man, he, he should have scored off a, off a corner he did miss a good chance yes uh, I mean, he, he had to he had to bury that to put the game beyond doubt my argument against what you're saying mm-hmm. is he kept a clean sheet against True. Feyenoord mm-hmm. who have got better players than Rangers thanks to Alan McGregor well Alan McGregor was good but I don't think mm-hmm. there was any saves that Alan McGregor made last night where you would go world class uh, they you were expect, all saves you that you would expect him to make, them, to make. Yeah, for sure. but mm-hmm. generally I thought Goldson was tested in the air a lot he did brilliantly in the air and I thought he was reasonably calm he had a few nice passes yes he gave the ball away on mm-hmm. occasion uh, Alan McCoy slaughtered him at one point and said you've, he's not learned from uh, the, the mistake against Celtic, Celtic. Mm-hmm. that's true he did make the odd mistake but I thought generally he was pretty good and Rangers were terrific overall especially in that first half where they were absolutely sensational second half Feyenoord came back into the game and probably just shaded it Stephen Gerrard admitted that mm-hmm. himself but still a, a great result Alfredo Morelos you know you're 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 you love the guy. You've written about him. Uh, you speak this the same lingo as him, mm-hmm. so you, you um, know all the detail about his past and his history from reading about him. What do you make of it? I thought he was absolutely terrific. He's he carries the can for Rangers going forward. He's the one. He's the one that just makes a difference up front. You know, Defoe's not going to do the work that he does in hustling the opposition defence and running the channels. This is a guy that, you know, this guy is never... When does he get taken off before the end of a game? Not very often when when it's an important game. He'll he'll give you that full 90 minutes. He'll 
he'll run every blade of gla- uh, grass. He'll link up well with uh, with the midfield, and uh, he he'll take shots on. You know, he 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 just wants a goal, and he he's all, he, he'll try right into the death. Okay, last night he should have got a penalty. I think after oh, that absolutely. after that Still double more. save, he had that ridiculous blooper where he, he just couldn't catch it. Well, I think he's trying to uh, he's trying to uh, was he trying to lob the keeper. He was trying to sort of do a Marco Van yeah. Basten-esque volley in at the top corner, but it, it, I mean, it was disastrous. And it, I thought it was quite funny that it was doing the rounds on Twitter as mm-hmm. sort of example of how poor Morelos can be from people who obviously hadn't watched the game. Yeah, even in Colombia, they were they shared that as a moment, but then again... It's a bit unfair because he was superb course, for the rest yeah, of the game, yeah. He's, he, he's so... Obviously, he's, he's goal-scoring, he's, uh, his ability, he, he's... Uh, He's so necessary to that Rangers team, but last night illustrated more than more than before. I think more than ever, just how uh, important he is off the ball, or even when he doesn't doesn't get on the score sheet himself, he means so much to that team. And he, I think he was he was the reason why you know the final defence just, just couldn't handle Rangers at all. He was just stretching them about all over the place, and he was allowing the midfield to push forward and get in positions where they could have a, a, a shot and goal and. Uh, yeah, fantastic. An absolutely fantastic performance from The other player, of course, that impressed was Borna Barisic, who has been much maligned, but certainly looked every inch the Croatia international throughout that game. Won the 50-50 that, of course, led to the goal and just bombed up and down that left-hand side for the entire game, giving Rangers the outlet that James Tavernier normally mm. does on the right and potentially the best performance he's had since turning up at Ibrox. Yeah, 100%. You know, as uh, Gerard said in his post-match comments this is a Croatian international should be used to these big matches and uh, Gerard also said he wants his players to step up you know 50,000 fans sell out European football he showed what he can do for Rangers he's not just about set plays and about scoring off of free kicks as he did a few weeks ago he he was a, a thorn in the side of fire all night and fully deserved his place in the UEFA team of the week which which he got into uh, last night after after the, the game's finished so yeah, hopefully going forward you can just keep that same momentum and uh, yeah, it'd be a, a welcome addition, a welcome uh, outlet for Rangers going forward. <clears throat> okay, we're going to move on now to Craig Levine and Hearts versus Hibs. At, oh, it's Hibs versus Hearts actually, isn't it? At the weekend, uh, it's at Easter Road. He's uh, come out and talked to the media today as his, uh, as his want when it's press conference today. He said, uh, in this business, 99% of managers at some point in their career will have their job at risk. In fact, 100%. So that's the constant you live with when you do this job. I think winning matches is everything, isn't it? We've got a big match on Sunday, which is always an exciting fixture for everybody. The players, the coaches, myself and the fans in particular. So we go into this game with a view that we need to get three points because we will need to climb the table as quickly as possible. He said on his uh, much maligned squad, injury-ravaged squad, I feel this group of players are more than capable of climbing the league and getting us to where we want to get to. If I didn't think that, then I wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. There isn't any situation when I've looked and thought we've not got the players to get us out of this. If I did think that, I would have told Anne that a while ago. My interest is purely in making hearts as good as they possibly can be and I believe that with this group of players, we can do that. I've been in this game long enough to know that the situation we're in, being bottom of the table with two points after five matches, is not a great situation to be in. I'm well aware of the circumstances and what we need to do. 
So, bullish there from Craig Levine, who should have Joel Pereira and um, uh, Stephen Naismith, um, as well as uh, Michael Smith, back for this big match at Easter Road. Do you have the same opinion as many people that Craig Levine's time is running out regardless of what happens on Sunday? Or do you think he can still turn it around? Uh, yeah, no, I think I, I agree with most, well, a vast majority of Hearts fans in this case that, yeah, he should be away. You know, uh, two points from five games is, is just simply not good enough for a, a team of that calibre. You know, they shouldn't be bottom of the table. And uh, it's a weird one because... Not only on Sunday, he's, he's given the chance to win three points, but he's given the chance also to beat your arch-rivals in Hibs, so it's kind of a double dunt for him if he does go on and, and win. But uh, on the form that Hearts have shown already this season, I don't see that happening. They've just been too sloppy. They've gave away, as Craig Levine said, a lot of crazy goals already this season. And uh, you've got if Naismith comes back in, then definitely they've got a chance. And obviously Heckenbottom as well is under his own type of pressure with the results he's had with Hibs but I think Hibs will win on Sunday and I think Craig Levine will get his jaws the, the point he seems to be making is look I have no doubt in terms of my experience in the game that the players that I've brought in here will turn this around I suppose the, the contrasting take on that is well it's been 30 games or 35 games since you last really had a good run it was this time last year um, yes there's been a lot of injuries yes these players that are coming back should make a difference but it's more than really just one game Hearts need to win even if they beat Hibs do you think he'll still be under a bit of pressure? significant pressure mm-hmm. I mean that, that'll that that'll represent a kind of small release valve I think in that they have beaten their arch rivals so early in the season but as you say it, Hearts just don't look like they're playing well under Levine and uh the results are telling you that, you know, they're just not looking like a team that with the, the squad that they've got that they can that Levine's capable of getting them playing at their optimum levels and uh, he goes on about experience that he's had the experience in the Scottish game to do that. Well he's he's not he's not doing what he should be with that Hearts team and I think that it's early enough in the season that uh Ambudge can make the necessary managerial changes and bring someone in with a fresh approach and uh, just go forward and, and and give him or the person that comes in the majority of the season to to work with that team and uh, and and try something different because obviously under Levine it just seem it doesn't seem to be working whatsoever and I think the longer you leave it regardless of the result on Sunday the worse it's kind of going to get. Okay, well Paul Heckenbottom of Hibs has also been talking to the press and here's what he had to say: We've got a good group of lads here, but we need an edge. You've got to be honest with each other. You've got to tell people if they're not doing their jobs. We're really clear in what's expected of them, but, well, Sunday's a perfect example. They're not going to be able to hear me from the sideline. They've got to be willing to dig each other out, encourage each other, and demand from each other. We've been practicing it a bit in training and putting bigger expectations on the players. You can't, uh, what you can't do is accept what you get. You always have to be striving and trying to get better, always, regardless of what your results are in that moment. So it's good habits. We've started building some good habits. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, surprised that Hibs, with the experienced players they have in that squad, need to practice digging each other out and giving each other stick if they're not doing each other's jobs it's a or bit, the correct jobs? It's a kind of 
smoke and mirrors comment, isn't it? He's making prior to the game. But I'm sure it makes him look very good. Yeah, he's, true. He's, brought, he's brought 10 players mm-hmm. in or 10 or 11 players mm-hmm. in in the summer. He's obviously trying a different tactic to Levine and just saying squad's good enough, backs to the wall, we know we're not in the right position. I think here he's just going with the special in front of the media, just kind of putting down a challenge to the players that they need to kind of bounce off each other and uh, and try and come up with a win on Sunday. You know, he knows as, as, as much as Levine does how important it is for them to get the three points, especially being at home. And uh, yeah, I don't know, he's, he's kind of going along the lines of like near mutiny, you know, a mut- <laughs> <laughs> to, try and, to try and grind out results. I don't know if that, is the the right tactic, but again, he, he's just sound bites sound bites for the media. I don't know how much importance you give to that. Is what he's actually doing on the training pitch with his uh, Hibs team predictions. Then, what do you think? Salt and sauce derby, nil nil draw. No, not with Craig. Uh, You've already said you think Hibs are going to win. What's yeah, the score yeah, gonna yeah. Be? I'm thinking three one to Hibs. Two okay. two one or three one to Hibs. I'm going to go one nil Hearts um, because I think Hibs uh, lack the physicality to deal with Hearts if they're even remotely on their game and I know they've been terrible this season but I just have a feeling Craig Levine's uh, experience in this fixture is going to make the difference Um, that's all from us today at Football Scotland we're going to be back next Monday before uh, 4pm just in time for your daily commute and to make it that little bit more bearable if you want to further the the debate you can uh, further the debate if you want to continue the debate you can contact me on Twitter at Johnny R McFarlane you can contact Craig at Glasgow Mixtape don't mention Connor Goldson getting a four. <laughs> <laughs> Until Monday, thanks for listening.